you know, there's people yelling in our faces, people holding up cell phones in our faces, telling us, you know, fuck you. We used to like the police. Now we hate you. Look at, look at what you're protecting. I'm just, I'm trying to think of what else, like I'll kill your family, all kinds of stuff, you know. Welcome to I'm No Hero, the show where we celebrate the brave, the bold, and the selfless, the courageous, and the compassionate, those who are trying to make the world a better place, and where we have a good time doing it. I'm your host, Justin Heinberg. So January 6th is in the news again. It's it's uh, seems like it never left, but it's back with a vengeance, and it's going to play out here over time. Uh, and that's why it's so important. I wanted to get a, a perspective that was personal, a perspective that's actually uh, positive. It has a positive aspect to it. So that voice you heard at the top of the show was someone I definitely categorize as a hero. He's a D.C. area SWAT cop, and he was there on the scene during the storming of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Now, in this episode, he'll be telling us his story, offering a unique boots-on-the-ground perspective and a detailed account that could only come from somebody who was there in the mix. We're also going to find out where a SWAT cop takes a leak during an insurrection. That's something we all want to know. But it really is an interesting perspective. And it's a perspective that I think we need to hear. It's a perspective that doesn't focus on the negativity and all the terrible things that obviously happened that day that the news covers. It's actually a positive story because there are people who stood up for what was right, people to be proud of, people who stepped up, people like my guest, Justin. And his first name is Justin, just like mine. That's about where the similarities end. He puts his life on the line on a daily basis. He's brave. He's not afraid of conflict and confrontation. Me, uh, not so much. I I don't like conflict. Uh, A quick story here, and then we'll get into the interview. The closest thing that I've come to in terms of like real conflict, like a conflict zone, is uh, paintball. I didn't do well. Uh, So even before I get out there on the paintball battlefield or whatever, I'm just walking from my car to go to the place where you rent the gun, and I got drilled in the nipple by a stray bullet coming off of some field. I wasn't even on it. It was just collateral damage. So I'm I'm there nursing my nipple, trying to sort of feebly walk my way to the gun rental place. And they give you these guns, and the guns they give you if you don't bring your own are pathetic. They're like worse than Nerf guns. They shoot your little pellet and goes about 12 feet, and then it just kind of trails off and, and falls to the ground. So I get out in the battlefield with my bruised nipple and my pathetic gun, and immediately I'm caught behind a barrel, a metal barrel by some sort of sniper, a guy who's got like a $300 paintball gun, and he's just drilling the ding, ding, ding. I'm behind, and, and I freak out. Uh, it might as well be in World War II. I feel like I'm going to faint. My heart is beating a thousand times a minute. My hamstrings cramp up. I'm mobilized. I don't know what to do. Finally, after like 10 minutes, I kind of breathe, slow my breath, and get it together sort of a little bit. And I try to progress. And so I'm kind of creeping up the course. And all of a sudden, I just hear this voice of like a 10-year-old kid over to the side of me. And he says, I got you. And I turn. He's just kind of casually holding his paintball gun towards me. He didn't even bother to shoot me. He thought I was so pathetic that he felt sorry for me. And so that was that was me. I, was, I wasn't even worth being shot by a 10-year-old kid. So a bruised nipple is one thing, but a bruised ego is another. Luckily, I wasn't the one defending the Capitol on January 6th, and people like my guest were, and others like him. So we're going to hear his story now. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, if you know a hero that you think could be a good guest on my show, email me at noheropod at gmail.com. That's noheropod at gmail.com. And here's my interview with Justin. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
My name is Justin, and I'm no hero. I could say the same thing. Literally, <laughs> literally say the same thing. I have you in my phone as tall, Justin, just uh, so if I don't get confused with myself and you. I still have you in there as uh, Charlie's dad from preschool. So yeah. <laughs> I just well, that's true. It. So that's how we know each other. We know each other, first of all. And we'll get to why you were at January 6th in a second. Okay. But I know you from the dreaded preschool birthday circuit. Yes. Where our daughters were probably four or five and doing the rounds. And you were usually the only other guy there. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And not to be old fashioned, but it was mostly moms. Yes. We both have two daughters. So we had to divide and conquer with our wives. So we were off in there. And I used to pray that you would be there. Like I was like, (laughs) God, I need, I need. And I didn't know you that well. But I was like, I, I need him there, man, to endure this. Now, yeah. I don't know if the feeling's mutual. Or oh, yeah, uh, 100%. Not not that I don't dislike hanging out with the moms or whatever, you know, but you yeah. know, it's always nice to have an, another guy there to talk sports and whatever else, you know, so yeah. it was always good having you it, there. And as I talked to you, you're a mild-mannered guy, and we started to talk a little bit more deeply, and you're very introspective, but it took me a while to find out what your job was, and I was surprised because of, of your demeanor a little bit. Physically, it makes sense. Right. You're a strapping lad. <laughs> but, um, so can you tell us what your, I know you want to be a little bit vague about it in terms of the agency you work for, but can you explain your job title? Yeah. So I work for a uh, local police agency here in the DC region and I'm on our full-time SWAT team. And I've been with SWAT since 2012. What does SWAT stand for? It stands for Special Weapons and Tactics. And on a broad level, what are your responsibilities? What are what do you so, do mostly? Yeah, so we kind of handle everything that's outside of the realm of patrol in terms of situations that require more manpower, maybe more armor, depending on the situation. We do search warrants for various things, drugs, guns, things like that, and any type of barricade situation, or if there were ever to be an active shooter situation, anything like that. So what's harder to deal with, those intense raids or the preschool birthday circuit? (laughs) I have a little more anxiety at the preschool birthday circuit than I do at work. They're both (laughs) loud and chaotic and could erupt in violence at any moment. You you always got to be ready. Okay. So I think the best way to tell the story, and it's funny because you were at my house and we started talking and I expected to have, I think I mentioned January 6th and I expected to have one of our civil conversations we have about maybe politics or whatever. And, and I know you don't want to talk about politics. You divorce that from what right. you do. Yeah, yeah. And then I mentioned January 6th and I said, what do you think? And you said the, the words, I was there. Those three words, I was there. And the reason I'm talking to you now is because there's a story about January 6th story that takes place within January 6th, a part of the events that unfolded January 6th that the media does not really cover. The left doesn't cover it. The right doesn't cover it. All people talk about are the failings. You know, Capitol Police not prepared. Obviously, there were a lot of terrible things that happened. But there's another story that isn't focused on failings. And I want you to have the opportunity to tell that story. Okay. So that's what we're going to get into. So let's start. Let's kind of walk through it chronologically. Okay. So on January 6th, we reported to our our office where we were going to meet up before we headed down to D.C. And we got there probably, I want to say around two o'clock. While we were getting our stuff ready, we're just kind of hanging out, just talking, you know, just like a normal day. And all of a sudden, somebody was like, hey, we need to get to D.C. right now. 
and everybody's like, all right. So got our stuff in, in the vehicle we drove down in and we all drove down and the initial, when they said we need to get to DC now, we didn't have a ton of information. I don't know if the supervisors did or not at that particular moment, but we didn't, we just knew we had to get down there. And our job at that point is to make sure all our stuff's in order so we could go. So as we were on the way down there, we started getting more intel about what was going on. And, you know, family members are texting because they're friends because they're watching the news. We're, we're not able to watch the news or anything. So friends and family at that point know more than you do because it's unfolding in a public way at that point. Yeah, pretty much before their eyes on the news. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not seeing that. We're just getting verbally from our supervisors what they're being told from the people in D.C. who, who are asking for our help to get down there. Do you remember what you were being told on the way down? Yeah, just that the crowd started to get unruly. And then at one point, they said that they breached the Capitol and were inside. So you're getting this real time. So then you get Correct. there, and what happens? You you get out, and what do you see? Yeah, so we get there, and we I think we parked on the north side of the Capitol. For whatever reason, I think that was one of the only ways we could get in and park. And I get there, and there's just a ton of people out in that in that area kind of just mingling around and nothing really violent going on in that particular area. But there were a lot of protesters, a lot of yelling, you know, but not the fighting and stuff that most people saw on TV. So the crowd started kind of gravitating towards us a little bit as we're walking to the west part of the Capitol. So we walked in front of the Capitol to get to the west side. Just to kind of give you like a map of yeah, because you knew um, the west side was where the that's where was yeah happening. that's where yeah. we were needed. So as we're walking, you know, there's people yelling in our faces, people holding up cell phones in our faces, telling us, you know, fuck you. We used to like the police, now we hate you. Look at look at what you're protecting. I'm trying to think of what else. Like I'll kill your family. All kinds of stuff. You know. Were they? Ar- did they have weapons in hand? Were not they- that I saw. Okay. No, I didn't see any weapons. Just just a this lot is, of talk. This is as you know? you're making your way. Yeah. This is as we're walking. And kind of a funny side story. So soon after we got there, myself and a couple buddies, we had to we had to take a leak real bad because <laughs> we're we're just crushing water on the way down because we knew we were probably going to be uh-huh. outside for a long time. And so I'm like, well, God, where are we, where are we going to take a piss? You know, (laughs) I thought about going like in this one corner. I'm like, I don't care who's like looking at me, but you know, what's appropriate also. So we decided to go into the Capitol, go into the building and uh, try to find a bathroom. And when we went in, they were still rounding people up and there was just officers just like pouring water on themselves because there was so much gas in there and pepper spray and things like that. It was, that part was crazy. So we finally find a place, you know, to go to the, take a leak and, and come back out. But it was just interesting to kind of see the inside at that moment. It wasn't totally cleared out at that point. You could just tell the officers who were in there were just exhausted and looked like they'd been in the fight of their life, which, which they had been. Hey folks, we'll get back to our interview in just a few seconds, but I did want to take a second to ask a favor and share some info about our Omno Hero podcast. If you like what you're hearing, it'd be a huge help in spreading word about the show if you'd give us a rating, honestly a five-star rating, and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new people find the show, and in the early days, every little bit helps. Also, I'd love to hear from you. 
If you've got a comment or question about the show, or if you know someone in your own life that you consider a hero, write to us at noheropod at gmail.com. That's noheropod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your comments, and maybe we'll be able to feature your own hero on the show in an upcoming episode. Okay, that's it for the plugs. Let's get back to my interview with Justin. So as we're walking down the south side, I start hearing like a lot of crowd noise and things like that. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, that's weird. I don't see anybody. And then when we got to that west side, it was, there were just thousands and thousands of people. And so DC police had a line set up and were holding back or at least holding that line from, I think there were like 5,000 people there for Five. that, from more people coming into the Capitol. Do you think a lot more people would have gone in? Yeah, I think so. Because also I think some people get caught up in the moment as well. And they're right. like, oh, well, this guy's doing it. Why don't I do it? And I think it just would have been, it would have been even more disastrous had that line not been set up. The Capitol Police at that time, tell me if I'm wrong, but most of them are now inside the Capitol trying to deal with things in there. And, the, and then the MPD is outside. I believe so. I believe that's that's kind of how how it happened. Again, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, but you know, as far as I understand, I, I think that's how it went down. And when you say they're holding a line physically, explain exactly what that is. Yeah, so they're pretty much in a line and they have these long shields to kind of help them hold a crowd back. The key is to stay close together and not get separated because people can slip through. They also had some gates up in front of them as well, just another layer of protection. I think they probably just grab what they could to kind of form a barricade so people couldn't get into the Capitol. Do you know how many MPD officers there were? I don't. It, and it's hard for me to kind of gauge. I would say, I don't know if I had to guess a hundred, right? Maybe, maybe more give or take. Okay. And then we were a group of 50. Okay. So we just added another layer to kind of help them out. And there were, that line. there were thousands on the other side of, of those guys. Yeah, and correct. Not necessarily, you don't know if the entire group is looking to rush the Capitol, but right. the people on the front lines, can you see them pushing against the line? Can you see some people trying to... Yeah, so kind of went in waves. Sometimes they'd be fine. Other times they'd just push or throw things. You know, there were bottles thrown, pieces of fencing from that scaffolding that was around the Capitol at that time, all that stuff. So I want to ask you this. Now that you sort of describe the scene to some degree and we'll continue the narrative of what happens next, but like to the people, I know a lot of people who for whatever reason downplayed a little bit, the media, Megan Kelly and Fox said, there's no question the media is representing this as much worse than it actually was to the people who say it wasn't that bad. What do you say to them? Yeah. So it kind of pisses me off when people say that because unless you were there, you don't know how bad it was. And everyone who was there has a little bit of a different experience. So you have the Capitol Police officers who were there initially, and then you have the D.C. officers who probably were very close by, and then ones who came in after to help out. Those guys were fighting tooth and nail to try to keep these people out. And there's you know only so much you can do. So I can't even imagine what those guys went through. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So was it that bad? Yeah. And again, for me personally, it I did not have it as bad as the Capitol Police and the DC Police and all the CERT members who got there and helped out. And I know we're going to get into that as well. Do you think if the DC police, the MPD, were unable to hold that line and whatever other officers were there, there would have been more violence inside the Capitol? Uh, again, it's hard to tell. I guess it depends on that that individual person. I'm sure there'd be people in there causing more issues, and then there'd be people just walking around, looking around, and just saying that they were there. You yeah. know, I think it's just a wide spectrum, but I do think there would have been a lot more damage and more violence and things like that because the more people that go in there, that just means the more people you have to get out also. So, and you saw what happened in the initial breaching of the Capitol, trying to get the people out did turn violent. So I can only assume it would have been the same had DC not formed that line. And so let's talk about the line. Cause I, I think you talked, you were talking to me about your assessment of the difficulty of what they were doing and what they had to do to clear things out. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought you said you're like, this is going to be impossible or this is, this does not look good. Yeah. So, you know, initially when we get there, we see all those people, it's, you know, one line of, of officers initially. And then just my perspective at that point was like, I hope more people are coming because to help us out, because this, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And fortunately other agencies started trickling in and just that line, that initial single officer line then starts getting bigger. Sorry, these are area police. They are, yeah, from, well. you know, DC, Virginia, Maryland. Okay. So finally, and I don't know who was in charge down there of forming that line and dealing with that crowd. Again, that's sort of separate from the people who are inside the Capitol. Right. So I don't know who was running the show, but whoever it was did, I think, did a phenomenal job of organizing and getting people in places they needed to get to in order to effectively make the next step, which was to start getting those people out of that area. How do you do that? That doesn't seem easy. Yeah, no. So once you get enough officers, and I think I spoke to a buddy of mine because I didn't know how many officers were there on the line to get the 5,000 people out. And I think he said it was under 400, Mm -hmm. which when you compare the numbers... It's not a lot, right? So it's a coordinated effort with our CERT guys. There's like certain commands and things that they start pushing, just start walking with their shields to move the crowd out of that area. And so they take chunks at a time. So they would, we'll say you take the first 25 yards and you would wait a little bit, make sure everybody's good, you know, because during all this, people are still throwing things Right. People are trying to hit those officers with chairs, things like that. And I know there were some injuries to officers during that whole situation as well. Yeah. Um, I actually did some research, believe it or not. Okay. (laughs) And um, 
So between the Capitol Police and the MPD, 140 cops were injured, is what it says. And I may be able to find more specifics on that later. There were 130 assaults, it says. Citation needed, by the way, but I'll work (laughs) on that after the show, towards the end or something like that. This is reporting from the New York Times, but again, citation needed. But 130 assaults, reports of stun guns, pepper spray, almost like the stuff people think police would use on crowds. From my understanding, some of that was used by the crowd. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you witnessed that. Did you witness any of those? I did I did not. I think a lot of that was during the initial breach of the Capitol. I know I have a buddy that works in D.C. who said they were using bear spray, mm-hmm. you know, spray you would use on a bear. Right. Not Hence to, the name. Not to yeah. Yeah, insult anyone's intelligence, but, yeah. uh, and he said it was horrible because he got sprayed with it, and he said it was the worst pain ever, and- Part of our training going through the academy, and and I'm pretty sure it's every academy across the country, is you get sprayed with pepper spray so you know what it feels like. Right. So during a situation like this, you know you can work through it. I mean, it sucks. It's absolutely miserable. So do you went you went through that. So you just sort of lined up to take your turn. Is that you? Just yeah, yeah, it's say, out, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. It's like it's like getting a, a shot for, for you know, a flu vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. what'd that feel like? Oh, it's it. It's like the worst burn ever. It's terrible. Some people, it doesn't affect as much, and other people, it affects even worse. I think it just depends on on the person, but m- the majority of people, it hurts like hell. And you're trained to somehow function when hit with that. Exactly, yes. That's Are part, you blinded? part of our training. Well, it forces your eyes to close. Mm-hmm. So no, you're not actually blinded, but it's hard to keep your eyes open. Do you feel, because of what this podcast is about, I got to ask, do you feel brave when you're doing these things? Do you feel brave when you're at the Capitol, either after the fact or during it? No, I don't. I think every job has a particular person that can do that job. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's law enforcement, being a nurse, being a doctor, being a writer, being a waiter, waitress, whatever the job is, they're all important jobs. I don't care what it is because without one of those, someone's going to be unhappy or could die or, you know, whatever the case may be. Could get a burger that's not cooked. Yeah, exactly. Properly. What, yeah. you know, and I, you know, I'm not downplaying that by any means, but you know, you can it downplay is, being a writer. No, no. <laughs> you know what? Nobody needs a writer. No, you're like no, no most- one's at a party and says, man, I need a writer. <laughs> like you want to be useful. You want to be like a doctor where someone's like, take a look at this or like you, if you, they need some protection or something. Well, you're like, like the most famous person I know. So oh, that's you know, pathetic then, you know, you know, well that needs to change that. No, that's why we need to bring to light some of the officers. It'd be great uh, to bring some of the specific heroes. And I know you may not know some of them to light. Are you get? Do you need to, I'm seeing you looking yeah, at just, your phone. Yeah, Let's I'm see sorry. if you have to rush off and set up a barricade here. No, I think I'm, I think I'm good. Sorry. Shopping. Uh, yeah, yeah, your no. wife telling you to pick up some lettuce. <laughs> that's or something. the sound my phone makes when I absolutely have to check it. Okay. But I'm good now. So let's get back to this. Okay. Unless there's something you want to say. No, no, no. Back no, no. to That's... January 6th. The MPD and whoever else was supporting them, 400 versus 5,000, have gotten to the bottom of the steps. Right. So we backfilled their line, that initial line, and just waited for other agencies to come in to keep backfilling and backfilling and backfilling. That's when they started walking and pushing people out in small increments. And I mean, that took a few hours mm. to do that. So it's a really gradual thing. It is, yeah. And it's very sort of structured. And again, they're trained to kind of do that Absolutely. in a very organized, incremental yeah, they're way. All, they're all very good at it. They did, did a phenomenal job. So after a few hours, when is it official that the crowd has been pushed back? 
to an area where they're no longer there in a sense. Do they disperse? And yeah. It's like, so, okay, you it's know, over. eventually people just started kind of leaving, yeah. which is exactly what you want. And leaving, just, just going. Just totally leaving the area and mm-hmm. things like that. So either people realize I don't want to be here mm-hmm. anymore or the people who might've had the thought in their mind to get violent are like, well, you know, I'm not messing with these dudes anymore. Wh- whatever the case may be. I don't, you know, I don't know right. what their frame of mind was, but you know, eventually, you know, we pushed them back so far and they just dispersed. So there's, I mean, it was a long day. So there were, I, I think there, there were five deaths and somehow they say like at least two of them were natural causes, which seems weird, but exacerbated potentially by the events, I imagine. And right. I don't know, this isn't your area of expertise, but I'm curious if you, there is the death of the police officer. Then, then there was Ashley Babbitt, who was the only one shot by a police officer, right? One yes. person. Do you find that, I don't want to lead you with this question, but the fact that there are 5,000 people there, there's an invasion in on the Capitol, one person is shot. What does that make you think of in terms of how the police conducted themselves? I think they did a great job that the casualty rate was not higher. Yeah. To be honest, I I think, uh, again, based on, you know, what I've seen in the media and being there, I think uh, that there weren't more people injured is, is shocking to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, I think that's a, again, I think the, the law enforcement officers who were there just, just did a good job of you know, keeping themselves restrained from certain things and just being very professional and, and doing what they could. So the New York Times had this huge article that kind of laid everything out chronologically from their view, not from someone who was there. I mean, they did interview a lot of people and things like that, but right. part of this, the idea here is for us to have an informal conversation. So just one person's story can inform the larger story and particularly this one that isn't being told in a certain way. And let me let me tell you how it's Phrased here, and I want to get your response. Okay. Law enforcement's relatively quick success in clearing the Capitol building once reinforcements arrived shows how the rioters might have been stopped far earlier with a different level of preparation, possibly preventing fatalities, countless officer injuries, and over $30 million in damages. So they phrase it in that way. Right. What could have been better? And it's a footnote at the end. There's no mentioning of the accomplishments of what law enforcement did in terms of what it could have prevented. So how does it make you feel? Right. So it's kind of a backhanded compliment, right? It's always negative to me. And I don't know why it has to be like that. I mean, like you just said, why not look at the positive? Why don't you give some praise to those officers who did try to fight and protect that area, protect the people in the Capitol that day who are important people? Why not praise those guys? Why put them down? And and I get it. If you want to put down their administration for not being prepared or however you want to phrase that, then okay, that's your prerogative. But why not give praise to the, those guys who who fought tooth and nail and girls to protect the people in there? You know, I haven't, and again, maybe this is me not paying enough attention to politics in the media, but I haven't seen any official that was in the Capitol come out publicly and thank law enforcement and give praise to all the people that protected them. Maybe that did happen. I'm not, I'm not sure. What I haven't heard about. And the reason I wanted to do this is I haven't heard anything about local police basically saving the day. I mean, the MPD talking about the restraint they had, the logistical competence they exhibited. And that's not even you. You're mostly talking about these colleagues of yours or whatever you want to say, a different type of police officer 
And I haven't heard, and maybe there's some, but it's certainly not the focus of reporting. I've never heard the story, local police prevent a full-on invasion of the Capitol, which is talking to you, and maybe I'm giving a little hyperbole to it, but that's the story that's not told. I get why you focus. It's a terrible day. Right. But where is, there were heroes that day. And, you know, you'll probably downplay that word, but like, maybe you won't to the people you saw. Yeah. So nobody, you know, me included, nobody wants praise. Nobody wants a pat on the back. Nobody cares about that as far as the law enforcement officers who were there that day that, that I was a part of. Nobody wants praise for that. But I think it's important, like you said, I think you know, why isn't the media covering that? It's, it is kind of a separate story from that initial issue in the Capitol. So why isn't there a story about, hey, all these guys and girls from all over the region came to this situation knowing that it was out of hand and bad things were happening and they went and got all these people out of here. So there you have it, a great conversation with a truly brave and humble guy. So thank you to Justin, other Justin, for a great conversation. It's an amazing story, and he's an amazing person. He's like the world's most sensitive SWAT cop, I think, which would make uh, a great calendar, by the way, just like guys in uniforms pensively staring at literature. Go ahead, free idea. Take it. It's for you. Folks, besides sharing stories of people doing good, we're going to try and do some good ourselves with this podcast. Each episode will highlight a charity or group related to our hero and let you know how you can help out with a donation of time or money. The Montgomery County Law Enforcement Officers Relief Fund provides financial, legal, and professional assistance to the families of officers who've been injured or have fallen in the line of duty. This includes hospital and hotel expenses and even funding funerals for fallen officers. You can find it at www.mcleorf.org. That's mcleorf.org. All right, well, have a great week, and you know what? Maybe try doing something heroic yourself. Give that last jalapeno popper to your dining companion, or follow dog walkers with a plastic bag, and when the dog poops, offer to pick it up for them. Maybe a little creepy, but it's a nice gesture. All these little heroic acts add up, folks. I'm Justin Heimberg, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at NoHeroPod, or you can send us a note at NoHeroPod at gmail.com. I'll be back next week with another heroic interview. I'm No Hero is a Clamor audio production distributed by the Cloud 10 Network. Hosted and executive produced by me, Justin Heinberg. Executive produced by Aaron Hilliard. Clamor general manager, Rich Statter. Associate producer, Ethan Aronson. Post-production supervised by Devin Ruskin. Production assistant, Samara Mullick. Additional production and editing by Mark Ronick and the folks at Ironic Media. Special thanks to Sim Sarna and Saiba Krieger at Cloud 10. Follow I'm No Hero on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. It's at No Hero Pod. That's at No Hero Pod. Send us your thoughts or suggest a hero at NoHeroPod at gmail.com. I'll see you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.